the Lord worked differently in the morning service. And Brother Fitz was the last preacher, and Brother Josh got saved back in the sound booth now. And uh, one thing or another, but uh, appreciate Brother um, Brunson and his friendship and fellowship through the years. And, uh, and, the, and the time that we are around each other, always enjoyed the good fellowship, enjoyed the good preaching. Thank you, brother. The Joyful Moy's family. The best thing about that CD, and it's good, and I recommend it, is Brother Jimmy don't sing on it. <laughs> I appreciate Brother Jimmy. I tell you, I appreciate the fellowship. Um, we met most of the fellowship of this church. Uh, about 20 years ago, out at Amory, Mississippi. Well, no, not, not me. I'm talking about meeting Brother brother Bell and Brother Herbert and brother those brethren that were at that meeting, and the Lord's just blessed, and we've enjoyed good fellowship. Back then, all our kids were little. <laughs> we didn't wear glasses. Yeah, we didn't have any gray hair. But I appreciate the fellowship and have enjoyed the meeting. Appreciate the church here. Sooner Rose has a special place in my heart uh, through the years. And I appreciate it. I'm glad Brother Doug's here. And um, I, I've enjoyed his fellowship and friendship. Appreciate Brother Joe Bryant and uh, the brethren that we've met. And the younger preachers coming on. I want to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 19. John's Gospel, chapter 19, tonight. This is the account of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to take a couple of verses out of here from my text and uh, preach on a message I think is relevant to our country and how it affects our churches our society, our families today, the days that we live in. And uh, this plague that I'm going to preach on is here to stay. It's not going away. I don't believe we're going to turn it around. And so we've got it to deal with. And folks, we're kind of like the children of Israel when they got to Kadesh Barnea the first time to go into the promised land. They'd never been there before. And they sent the spies to spy out the land, and they, they saw things that they'd never seen, and it scared them. And so they came back and brought the report back. And, of course, it was an evil report because the Lord had promised them and already carried them all the way through all that wilderness wandering for them to go into the promised land and possess the land. God, made them, God said, I'm going to fight your battles. I'm going to give you a rich land. I promised this to Abraham uh, uh, hundreds of years ago, and now it's yours, and all you have to do is, is go in and possess it, fight the battles, I'll be with you. He gave them a lot of promises of what he would do, and, and they sit there, and they look to the future, and they, they come up with the report, we can't do it. And that's kind of the way the church looks today about the future, what we're facing. So what I'm going to deal with tonight. But I got some news for us. We can do it. 
And the Lord has sent us to possess the land. That, that, that part of the, what we have in His service. I, I get up every morning before the sun rises and I get ready in the, through the week and get ready to go to work. And I, I, for hundreds of days and hundreds of days, I just get up and go to work, get up and go to work. And, and I wake up and I think, uh, it comes to my mind, when my, when my mind comes awake, what, what is my purpose for today? And if all it is is me going to work, then I get depressed. I mean, it's just another day of toil and labor. But the thought enters my mind, and I think the Spirit gives it to me, the Holy Ghost gives it to me, that my purpose today for, for awakening and getting up is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I woke up today to serve the Lord. Now in that is people and work and all kinds of things that go on. But if all I do is just get up and it's another day to go to work, make a check at the end of the week, buy the groceries and pay the bills and get the, and all and all the stuff. You know, what, what kind of life is that? But I get the privilege of serving the Lord. And that the message we heard to start the meeting off where the brother preached to us on wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, we need to start that every morning. Don't wait till you get to church meeting to start that. You got the devil to face the day you wake up. Gird up the loins of your mind. What am I going to do today? I'm going to serve the Lord today. I try to teach preachers, especially young preachers, that you don't get ready to go be a witness for the Lord. You don't get ready to go be a witness. Well, it's time to go witness. It's time to go on visitation. It's time to go on this. And I'm not, I'm not against that per se, except for the fact that you don't get ready to go be a witness. As you go, you are a witness. You don't have to get ready to go out on visitation with the pastor. Not against it. Do it. But you're going out on visitation at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock in the morning. Why not be a witness then? As you go, be a witness. We're like, the, we're like the armies that faced the Philistines, the armies of Israel. When Goliath come out there, nobody would go fight. Nobody was ready to go. And, and David comes on the scene. I'm not preaching on that tonight, but he comes on the scene. And he said, he said uh, as he got there, he didn't have to get ready. He saw the situation, and he... he you know, he took advantage of that situation to bring glory to God. The rest of them was having to get ready. They was trying on Saul's armor and polishing up the armor. And if the armor's so good and you've got to get the Baptist armor before you go out and face the giants of our day, then why wasn't they using that armor? David was ready wherever he went. He was ready when the lion came. He was ready when the bear came. He was ready when he met the Philistine. So... We wake up every day and the sole purpose for our living, and we need to get this in our mind, especially Christian. If you're here tonight and you're not a, a Christian, you're not saved by the grace of God, the whole reason why you exist upon this earth is that you can get saved by God's good grace and serve the Lord. There's no other purpose for humanity. There's no other purpose for a human being to be created, to exist, to breathe, to eat, to live, to marry, to work, to bear children and do whatever we do as, a, as the human race. There's no other purpose that we do 
outside of serving the Lord. That's what we exist for. So I wake up today, I'm going to serve the Lord today. I wake up on Saturday, I'm going to serve the Lord today. I wake up on Sunday, I'm going to serve the Lord today. That's why we exist. We exist to serve the Lord. Amen. That's it. Nothing else. You're not promised ease of life. You're not promised, you know, uh, riches or wealth or good times or nothing. We exist to serve the Lord wherever He's got us. And that's what I, that's the way I think about every day. What am I going to do today? And I tell you, God's Spirit works in me and lifts up my heart. I'm encouraged as I walk out of the room and get ready to go face today. What am I going to do today? I'm going to serve the Lord. Might be nailing on shingles, but I'm going to serve the Lord. Whatever I do, I'm going to do it as under the Lord and serve the Lord. And that's the kind of mentality we need to have. And so, may God help us with that. Well, in John Gospel chapter 19, we're going to read verses 23 and 24. The account when they crucified the Lord and put Him on the cross. Pilate had written a superscription. We read in verse 23, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took His garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also His coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. I'm preaching tonight on gambling at the foot of the cross. Gambling at the foot of the cross. The first question I have for us tonight is, when did it become so acceptable in America that we have a a system in our country that's implanted of gambling, gaming, gambling in our country. I can remember a day when it was against the law. You, You could not gamble publicly. Now, young people here don't know that. They've never seen that. But you, you could not gamble. You couldn't throw dice and you couldn't play poker. There's a lot of things immoral that you couldn't do. When I was a young man, all that started changing about the 80s. About the time Bill Clinton got elected, a lot of things started changing big time. I mean, they, were, they started changing for the worse. Laws of morality were being changed. They started changing those laws to immoral laws. And now the immoral activity is upheld by the government and the moral activity is punished by the government. We've lived to see a day that something as destructive and evil as gambling has become acceptable. It's acceptable. States run their revenue, state revenue, off of gambling. They started this in Louisiana years ago probably 40 years ago under a man by the name of uh, Governor Edwin Edwards. And he pushed for gambling. And the, and the big thing that he used to get that sold across, of course, man innate in his nature, he loved to gamble anyway. And I'm going to show you where we got that, where we start that. We, we love to gamble. That, that Take that chance. You might be the big winner. 
Take a chance. Take a chance on this girl, on this boy. Take a chance on this relationship. Take a chance on that. We get that by, by nature. And so Edwin Edwards said, look, our schools need revenue. And our roads need to be paved and fixed up. So what we're going to do, we're going to institute gambling controlled by the government. The state government is going to control gambling. And the revenues, the tax revenues made off of gambling and all the, how the, they, they fix up the accounting books of the state, we're going to get the revenue for, from this gambling and we're going to give the teachers a raise and we are going to pave our roads and fix our roads. Had a preacher come from Tennessee about a month ago. He said, these are the worst roads I've ever been on in America in my life. We've had gambling all these years. We had gambling, you know, Nevada was the only place you could go and gamble legally. And it was called, what, what was that called? Some of you old timers, what did they call uh, Nevada, Las Vegas? Sin City. Uh, the country recognized it. You couldn't do it anywhere else. Now, along with gambling in Nevada, what else was legal? Prostitution was legal. All the immoral vices that are associated with gambling. But our states, and I'm not going to give you a long history on it. It's here to stay. I passed 14 casinos coming up here. Well, they said, okay, we're going to do casino gambling only in truck stops in Louisiana. And so they put that in. Well, that wasn't enough. We didn't give the teachers a raise and the roads are worse. Then they said we're going to do riverboat gambling. And it's got to be a boat tied to, the, tied to a wharf on the river that has to be seaworthy. You have to be able to take it out. And when they first put that law in, they had to, well, once a day, they had to take that boat out and make a turn and bring it back and tie it back up. You see how they seduce people into this? Well, now it's casino gambling on the river, off the river, up on top. The Indians have got in on it. Amen. They're making uh, the revenue they get out of it. All the states are tied to it. Now we've got a lottery system. We've got sports betting. We've got everything you can, you can name under the sun. Uh, called, they call gaming, which is gambling. And I want to say to you tonight, it's satanic and wicked and evil. And I'm going to set about to prove that from the Bible, just how wicked this is and how it works in a sinner's soul to take them to hell. Gambling at the foot of the cross. Gambling is satanic. It's demonic. It's demonic. Wicked demons are running the, the gambling industry today. Now, in the form of, of humanity, they're mafia men. What we used to call the crime, organized crime. Uh, crime bosses run that. And there's been many movies, and Hollywood's uh, made fame of all this, how they got involved in the, in the gambling industry and organized crime, and organized crime still run it today. They're just in the legislative branch of our government. And all these lobbyists for gambling are sending untold millions of dollars to our state and federal officials to get to, to state gambling, statewide gambling. Well, it's trickling on now. Now we've got statewide legal drugs like marijuana. Yeah. And now in these far, in these uh, states out in the uh, out west, uh, Oregon and California, they're making it legal for hard drug use. Legal for hard drug use. And all this is just the rot that's in America that has come along in the last 30 or 40 years. 
We, we, we got a generation of people sitting right here tonight that sees that it does not bother them to drive past a casino. It does not bother them to drive in a casino. It does not bother them to buy things there, to get things around a casino. They have no concept, no restraint, no conviction in their heart about gambling. I drive down the road at my house over there where I live and pull my work trailer behind me and the potholes are so bad back there that when I meet a car, I have to stop. I cannot drive. It tears my trailer up, throws all my tools out. You can go there to the casino about three miles, and the road is paved black for about five miles right in front of that casino. And that's where they fix the roads. They put the, they put the smooth pavement in front of the casino. They put the turning lanes there. They got people going in and out, in and out all day and all night long. It's open 24 hours a day. And you can't believe they got more people going in the casino than they do on Walmart on check day, on the first day of the month. Casino gambling. Gambling is addictive. Gambling, gambling is family destructive. Gambling destroys marriages. Gambling destroys your society. Gambling corrupts the state. Gambling is of the devil. Gambling is weak, wicked, wicked beyond belief. And it's become the acceptable norm now. People, are, you know, they say, there's, there's Baptists down there that say, well, we don't go in the casino, we just go in there to eat because they, they've got good food and it's at a cheap price. You, you can eat real cheap there. And they go in there. They go, they go to church on Sunday and they go to the casino to eat after church. What did the devil tempt Eve with? Eating. Eating. The devil tempted Eve with take a chance. God said, don't eat, you eat, you die. But the, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field that God had made. So, the serpent comes and says, take a chance. It'll make you wise. It'll make you, it's good to eat and it's pleasant to look upon. There's, and so they, gambling is wrapped up in the first sin. Satan enticed Eve to take a chance. God said, you eat it, you're dead. Thou shalt surely die. Satan said, you shall not surely die. So just take a chance. And Eve took a chance. And Adam was complacent in it with her. He, he partook of it too. And it was a form of gambling. You shall not surely die. Well surely, or it could be said this way, surely God won't kill you for this. Surely there's nothing wrong with gambling. You might win. Surely there's nothing wrong with playing the lottery. Do you know that gambling is just as addictive as drinking and drugs? Do you know that gambling is just as addictive as pornography? It, it works on the inner psychic of man. He, gets, he has to have a fix. And he would spend everything he's got to win that big pot. Let me say something to you tonight. There are no winners in gambling. Everybody loses. All lottery people lose. Everybody loses. If they did a, if they did a follow up on all the people that's won these old big lotteries, most of them people's either in jail or dead or dead broke. 
It destroyed marriages. It destroyed families. It destroyed children. They do do documentaries on that. And it destroys it. Gambling is wicked. And we, it's acceptable now. I was going down this road, going home one of these years ago, and I was getting down there about uh, before you get to Paris, Texas, and I need gas. I needed some gas. And I got down there, and I got right to that big old tent casino them Indians have down there before you cross Red River. And I just, you know, there's a gas station, and I just pulled in there. And as I drove up there, I, you know, I thought, this is a casino. And guess what? Gas was 10 cents cheaper. You know what I did? I drove right in there, never stopped, turned around, drove right out. I'm not going to pay to support that stuff. And I'm not going to support a politician that promotes that stuff. And they've got in there now. Oh, Texas has it. Louisiana has it. Arkansas's got to have it. Oklahoma's got it. The Indians have got it. Everybody's got it. Look how well off everybody's doing. And it's to our destruction. Gambling. State revenues are run on gambling. Corruption. This is wicked. This is to our destruction. It's, how many states are doing well financially? What's the big scream every year? Increased wages, increased state federal uh, uh, state workers, increased federal work wage, increase, increase, print more money, print more money. And folks, there are multiplied millions of people that are taking those checks and stimulus and and and, uh, and what do they call that uh, uh, when you don't work. Unemployment insurance. You know what unemployment insurance needs to be? If you're not employed, go find a job. Now we got, we got more jobs than people that want to work. Why? Because they give them unemployment insurance. And now poor old companies and little old mom and dad companies have to pay unemployment insurance. And it's cost a lot. And they get all this revenue from the government and they go, many millions of them go to the casino and spend it. And I'm telling you, when I was a young man, cards, a deck of cards was wicked, Brother Herbert. See, it was wicked to have cards around because it was associated with gambling. Oh, then the Catholics brought in bingo. And the Methodists brought in bingo. Surely there's nothing wrong with bingo. All the problem is they bet on it over there. And it's a form of gambling. It's a chance. Take a chance. Well, you don't, you don't uh, have a problem having a little fun, do you? There's a lot more ways of having fun than playing bingo and, and gambling. And all these little things, the little foxes, have broke through and spoiled the vines. And th- we'll never turn this around. The sport betting industry now on these wicked NFL football games and anybody that watches that stuff today is anti-American. You ain't an American. You watch that bunch kneel down and protest a fag of this country. I I don't even have a TV. But if I had one, I wouldn't watch that mess. All these idolatry start wicked football players and basketball players that won't say nothing about China that are in league with China over there and all this gaming and gambling that goes on with that and all the multiplied millions of dollars that's involved and you never hear nothing about it today. It's a seductive sin. It's a corrupt rot in our country. 
It's in states and in our country and in people's homes. Your television is flooded with it. The advertisements on the radio and the, and the local TV is all about casino gambling and other forms of gambling. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And we don't even blink at it. Of course, we don't blink at much sin anymore. Yeah. And so what they've done is they've made it, they've done what the devil's done, and they take the words that God uses in the Bible to show sin to be exceeding sinful, and they change the words like adultery, that's called having an affair today. It's not an affair. It's adultery. The Bible says it's, a, it's adultery. Don't call it an affair. Don't call gambling gaming. No, that's not gaming. Gaming is hopscotch and jump rope and maybe a little baseball in the sandlot. Gambling is, is satanic. It has destroyed, it's, the, it's part of, and you can preach on a hundred sins right now that are destroying our nation. And this is, this is so prevalent. One reason that I've got this in my crawl right now is I did a job right across the entranceway to that casino. Folks, I ain't never seen so many cars coming and going in all of my life. It is a constant stream turning in and coming out of that place. You know how many people loses that goes in there? Every one of them. Because if one of them happens to win, they don't ever quit going. They just lay more money now. It's rigged for you to lose because it's, it's from Satan to take you to hell. It's a lie. Take a chance. Give a little, get a lot in return. It doesn't work. And so we, we've come to that day where it's here now. And so it's corrupt. It's tied to our school system. They sell it on giving the teachers a raise. And don't you want your children to have an education? I don't want them to have one out of this public school system. Because now they're teaching transgenderism. And so gambling is promoting the teaching of the federal government that promotes transgenderism. Folks, we just, we just elected, or didn't elect, they just appointed to the Supreme Court a woman that would not give the definition of what a woman is. And she was put up there so she would be the first black woman appointed to the Supreme Court. And they asked her, would you define what a woman is? And she would not do it. You know why? Because she was scared of this corrupt, perverted, transvestite bunch. Transgender outfit. Let me tell you what transgender is. Well, I got you listening real good here tonight. Transgender is possession of the devil. It is a demon that possesses a boy or girl or man or woman and gets them to leave their created, God-given estate and to turn in the, the worst rebellion you could do to blow your smoke in the face of God and to cuss God and to tell God you hate God it's to take your created state as a woman or a male or a female and turn away from that and say, I don't care what you made me. I'm going to be what I want to be. No, you're going to die and burn in hell is what you're going to do. It is demonic. It is satanic. It ought not to be open for public discussion. And we've got a Supreme Court appointment now on there that is, that's what she's placed there for. And this worthless, no good, but the sorry Republicans that won't fight it. 
Oh, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And I'm ready for him to come. He's going to stop this. If there's anything worse than a Democrat, it's a no good Republican. Gambling. I'm against it. I'm against it in every form. You can do a lot of things without gambling. You can do a lot of things without playing bingo or some kind of chance card game. A lot of things you can do. I tell people all the time, you let these kids watch them little cartoons, and they're, they're, they, they've got them, they got them, Satan is running that to desensitize what the family unit is and what God made and what God put uh, into, the, into the fabric of our society, and now it just, there's no problem that people don't see anything wrong with it. That's where we're at as a country today. Now, listen to me. I want to talk about your soul. Suffice it to say I'm against gambling in any form. I spit on it. I stomp on it. I scream against it. I witness against it. I tell everybody I don't have no friends that do it because they don't like it when, you, when I tell them what I say about it. You're wicked as you can be if you go eat up there in them places. You're worse than that if you go play, spend money in them places. But what I'm aiming at tonight is your soul. Taking a chance for your soul. The, the, the most hideous, hateful, wicked, meanest, sinful, corrupt event that ever took place was when they nailed the Lord Jesus Christ to the cross. All of the sins of the world met on him there. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. If you read these accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they mocked him. They laughed at him. They spit on him. They plucked out his, the hair of his face. They did every wicked, evil, atrocity that could be committed against a man. They did it to the most innocent, just one that ever lived. You know what them soldiers were doing? Gambling. Anything associated to that cross that, that took place that man was doing to our Lord and his God, his creator, is wicked. And people in America and churches used to know that. You didn't do this in the open. You had to hide out. And here they are, Casting lots. They, don't, they wasn't casting lots to find out God's will. They were casting lots because they just crucified him and those garments was worth something. That coat woven from top to without within all the way through was worth something. And so they were casting lots. They were, they were gambling over whose it would be. And one of them won it. And there was nothing more wicked than the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ from man's standpoint, what man, what man could do to his God is seen in what they did to the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this while I'm here going along with what this brother just said. Those religious elders of that day were the instigators of the crucifixion. They connived together to get him there before Pilate. And Pilate was, the Bible says, Pilate was determined to let him go. 
Everybody knew he was innocent. Nobody believed he was guilty. That bunch of no good Pharisees and Sadducees and temple bosses and chief priests and elders, they knew he wasn't guilty. He had done all good things before them. He, Nicodemus came and said, no man can do the miracles you do except God. They saw what he did. They were a witness. They followed him around. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They followed him everywhere he went. He'd heal a man on the Sabbath day on purpose, praise God, to, to, in, to, uh, to instigate a confrontation with them. Amen. He did it on purpose. He drove out them money changers and throwed all that mess up and whipped them animals out of there on purpose. Whatever he did, he did on purpose. They hated him. He, they said, is it not reason for one man to die for the whole nation, one man to be taken away, than the whole nation to be taken away? That's what they said about him. They knew he was innocent. And that same bunch of temple bosses is around today. And these religious leaders in these Baptist churches and in these Catholic churches and in these Methodist churches and in every other form of a so-called church and religion would crucify him today again. They would do it again. Man has not changed. We're going to find out before he comes back that man has not changed. We're going to find out in the millennial when he rules visibly on this earth, when he puts down all ruling authority, when Satan is bound a thousand years in change, we're going to find out at the end of the thousand year good reign of the Lord Jesus Christ that man is still just as wicked as he was the day they crucified him. Satan's going to be turned loose for a season for God to show humanity just how wicked and depraved we are. They're going to be sinners in the millennium, buddy. You better believe it. And at the end of the millennium, they're going to let the devil out, and he just in a short time is going to gather together the nations against the Lord and to fight against the Lord. Of course, God's dragging them out of there and letting all that take place because he's going to destroy every one of them. I mean, he's going to kill them, the whole mess, and at the end of the millennium, all that mess is going to be brought up before the great white throne judgment, and it's going to be judged and cast into the lake of fire, and he ain't going to be no more of that. Man is wicked today. Religious temple bosses today are just as wicked as they were in his day. Amen. They traffic in souls. Read Revelation 17 and 18. Nobody preaches on the great whore, the mother of harlot, the Catholic church. I preach on it. She's the, she's the, she's the cage of every foul bird. Amen. And, and, and all of her daughters that come out of her, we're not reformists. We don't believe in Protestantism. Amen. This used to be a staple preaching sermon in a meeting. Now, you know, we act like we are ashamed to be Baptists. I ain't ashamed to be a Baptist. I'm a Christian by the new birth, and I'm a Baptist by conviction. I'm a Baptist because I want to be a Baptist, my kind of Baptist, and I'm not a Methodist because I wouldn't be one for my life. Anybody that baptizes babies don't know how to preach the gospel. Don't you come down to my church and tell me as a missionary that you believe the Methodists are preaching the gospel. I'm fixing to show you something. I'm going to show you the record of them baptizing infants. How can you preach repentance when you baptize a baby? 
That's a corrupt doctrine of the Catholic Church. And all that bunch come out of there. Amen. Martin Luther, the whole mess. Most people don't know. You need to read the right kind of history. You know what they're doing in America right now? Critical race theory. Changing our history. Well, that's not new. That's, that's, religion's been doing that about the Dark Ages, folks. Y'all know what the Dark Ages was. The Catholics dominated the earth. They drug, they drug up every book. You, know, you, want, you want to know why we believe King James Bible? We got the right manuscript. They drug up every book there was and put it in that Vatican, and they wouldn't let nobody learn anything. And when they first started printing the Bible, they hated them so much for printing the Bible that they would burn them at the stake. They would hunt them down. They persecuted them. They killed them. They hated them so bad, they dug up their bones and burned them and throwed the ashes out. That's Catholics. How can a good thing come out of that? Her daughters. Quit telling me you believe the King James Bible. You go over and read that capitalized mother of harlot stuff. And all these rogue Baptists that fall off after that stuff. I ain't ashamed of it. God, Jesus, established his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And his church has an identity. And the greatest identity of his church is doctrine. And when you start baptizing babies and doing penance and all these other things that's acceptable today, Ash Wednesday and Lent, and, and now it's got into uh, bless the dogs and the cats and the horses and all that kind of stuff. Doctrinal conformity. Amen. Have you a good discussion with a good Catholic see how far along you get from the Bible. So what I'm saying tonight is that the highest betrayal ever committed was committed by Judas Iscariot. Now, I've been betrayed. I've had church folks betray me. I've had that kiss on the side of the face. I'm leaning out a literal kiss. Man walked up there and he gave me, not that queer kiss, but that kiss of affection. He can't stand me. Matter of fact, he met me 20 years after that, met me last week and called me everything that you can imagine. Told me how rotten and wicked and no good and sorry I was. He kissed me. But that ain't the highest betrayal. The highest betrayal, Jesus said, he's the son of perdition. That makes him equal to the devil. The Bible says Satan entered into him. Capital S, Satan entered into him. And Jesus, he went out and he betrayed our Lord Jesus. Highest, the, the worst sin atrocities ever committed were committed against Jesus Christ at his crucifixion. Jesus told Pilate, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. There's sin and there's greater sins. You better believe it. And so, whatever happened at that cross was the highest form of wickedness. And men have been taking a chance for their souls ever since Eve took a chance at the tree. That's what she did. You call it what you want. You preach it any way you want to. She took a chance. He said, ye shall not surely die. That means there's an outside chance you won't really die. She took a chance. Now let me say something. And I'm going to walk through the scriptures real quick just right now. 
But here's what I'm trying to encourage us to be like. Noah didn't take a chance. Noah did not take a chance. God said, I'm fixing to wipe it out. And Noah believed God. And he worked a hundred and some odd years on an ark that was going to deliver him from the judgment of God. And for a hundred years, he stayed with God and stayed with the truth and believed God was going to destroy. Don't you know, you talk about these folks that's quitting Brother Herbert. Don't you know that after a hundred years, folks get tired and say, well, that ain't really coming. We don't even see a cloud. Noah didn't took a chance. Noah, the Bible said, being warned of God. God warned Eve. Listen to me. You better listen tonight. God is warning you. God is warning you tonight. You better believe God. You better not take a chance. God warned Eve. She took a chance and, and Adam and plunged the whole world into depravity. Noah heard from God being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Move with fear. It struck fear in his heart. You ought to be afraid to take a chance. The first beginning of the conviction of God's spirit in you is you fear God. You fear the warning of God. You fear the wrath of God. And Noah for some hundred and some odd years feared God. He was a preacher of rightness. He condemned the world. And if you don't know what I'm doing tonight, I'm condemning this world. You can't get saved without condemning the world and condemning yourself. God's already condemned you. You just got to come to it yourself. Don't take a chance. There's not enough good in you to overcome your condemnation. The whole world is condemned. You can't take a chance on that. Noah did not take a chance. He was delivered from the judgment and wrath of God. But if you take a chance, you're going to lose. All gamblers lose. There are no winners in gambling. They gambled and lost. Lot took a chance. Lot gambled with Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah have a definitive place in the history of the human race. That's the highest form of wickedness when it comes to the inner workings of men and women that can be committed. And God chose to name what, what is commonly referred to as homosexuality. God chose to name it sodomy. And sodomy used to be against the law in Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma and a, a bunch of states. Punishable by capital crime punishment. Sodomy. What are we doing with sodomites now? They're punishing the heterosexuals. They're punishing the people that are against sodomites and telling you they got civil rights. Amen. And we're suffering the punishment against sodomites. Lot took a chance with Sodom and Gomorrah and he lost. He lost his wife. He lost his family. He lost his testimony. He lost his wealth. He lost his riches. He lost everything. I mean, he, he ended in a moral blackout. I know he was justified. And he's like a lot of Baptists today, so-called Christians. They take a chance fooling around with something God said, don't fool with that. Abraham had enough sense not to go down there. And Abraham taught Lot. Abraham was the prophet of God. And he taught Lot. Lot didn't have to go east. Abraham said, look, north, south, east, and west. Go whichever way you want to, which way you won't go. He could have went north and been all right. Yeah. 
Abraham could have went south. But he saw the well-watered plains. In other words, he got a better job offer. But the corporation he went to work with promoted sodomy. Woke. Can I say woke? Let me say this while I'm here tonight. If I hear of anybody in this building taking your kids or your grandkids to Disney World, I'm going to disown you as a Christian. Amen! If I hear of anybody in any fellowship that I'm going to right now that takes their kids or their grandkids to Disney World, I'm disowning you as a Christian. Is that okay? You say, well, I went a long time ago. Don't do it again. You, you see what's going on with Disney World? Huh? Amen. You got to quit it. It ain't worth it. If they didn't do that, they charge too much. Amen? Amen. Lot took a chance and lost. Pharaoh gambled. When Moses was interceding or mediator between God and Israel, he kept telling Pharaoh, God has said, let my people go. Pharaoh wallowed that around and finally God hardened his heart. He kept taking a chance, taking a chance with God's word. How many times are you going to come to church before God hardens your heart? How many times are you going to hear the good gospel message of the grace of God? You come down here time and time and time and time and time and hear it and hear it and hear it. And you hear the wrath of God preached and God's warning given to you. And you just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep sitting there and don't do nothing. If you do something, you do it like Pharaoh did it. You know how Pharaoh did it? Oh, I've sinned. Oh, help me. Oh, spare me. Oh, this, no, that. Pharaoh was doomed from the start. He was a vessel fitted for destruction. Amen. But God gave him opportunity after opportunity. From God's side, Pharaoh's without excuse. Because he could have obeyed and listened. But he didn't. And God, in his foreknowledge, knew he wouldn't. And so God made an example. Just like he made Esau an example. And just like he made Achan took a chance. Can't you hear the devil whispering to Achan? Babylonian garment, wedge of silver, wedge of gold, silver. Take that and hide it. Nobody will see that. See, the fact, about, the fact of the matter is, God sees it. God sees it all. And so they go up to a little old AI, little old podunk place about like Pollard or Drypron where I live, and they get whipped up there. And jo- Joshua falls down, oh God, oh God, oh God. And God said, get up. You got sin in the camp. No wonder our church is the way we are. We trifle around with this stuff, put up with it. See, we're not bothered. What I'm trying to do is get you bothered about gambling. If I can just get that much in tonight, we'll preach on something else next time. Just get you bothered about it. We're not bothered about it. We go by casinos all the time. Don't bother us. Listen, Aiken gambled and lost. He drug his whole family to hell. His wife, his children, everything that pertained to him. When they stood against Moses and, and, and on, and you just come off. David took a chance with Bathsheba. Did David not have enough wives? Could David not have had many more wives? But see, this is what all this kind of illicit, this Facebook stuff, brother. Oh, this is how all that. Satan gets in there and says, take a chance. Bread eaten in secret is sweet. Uh, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Stolen waters are sweet. The Bible 
in a negative way says. And people take a chance. And David took a chance. But again, God sees it. And there are no losers with gamblers. And David lost. And Uriah lost his life. And David lost his reputation. And the name of God was sullied through what David did. He took a chance. And I know God's a God of second chance. He re- David repented. You know the difference between David and King Saul? King Saul never repented. He, you read that, he never repented. David repented. Somebody says, is there any hope with me with God? I don't know. I'd ask him and see and repent and see if I could get some mercy and grace from him. David took a chance and lost. And we go down through the Bible. Ahab, wicked old Ahab. He took a chance and a man drew a, drew a venture, a drew a bow at a venture. That means out of chance. And God had Ahab targeted because Ahab was wicked before God and committed atrocity before God and deceived and, and, and brought in idolatry. And the Bible says he took a chance. This is what he did now. He disguised himself. You know why? Because he was a coward. And he knew that the Syrians would get after Jehoshaphat. So he made himself as he was just a regular guy. And the Syrian captain said, don't fight with anybody save the king of Israel. And so when they looked out there, Jehoshaphat to them was the king of Israel. Of course, they were confederate. Judah and Israel was confederate. And Ahab was sitting out there like a regular infantry, uh, like a private. And the Bible says, a man drew a bow at a venture. He just shot like that. See, Abraham took a chance. I mean, uh, Ahab took a chance. And God directed that arrow right there. Right between the harness. God never misses. God don't take chances. You'll never miss if you'll stay with God. God's commandments are not grievous. We love the word of God. Let me say something while I'm here tonight. And I'm going to wrap this up. I love God's commandments. Some of y'all are going to have a bad day at judgment. For, for witnessing against the commandments of God like something's wrong with his commandments. You tell me what's wrong with thou shalt have no other God before me. You tell me what's wrong with honor thy father and thy mother. You tell me what's wrong with thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not uh, bear false witness. You tell me what's wrong with that. You tell me what's wrong with any moral commandment that he gave. And while I'm right there, let me say this. Everybody thinks when God, when the old covenant was, was finished when Jesus died. Technically, when he died, the veil was rent, and that meant the end of the Old Testament. Old covenant. It's over. Done and away with. The, the, the shedding of blood that was accepted had been given in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that veil was rent from top to bottom. Everybody thinks God throwed out his moral law. God didn't throw out his moral law. The social laws of Israel were finished. The ceremonial laws of Israel were finished. But the moral laws that govern people's actions, they ain't finished. There's nothing wrong with God's law. The problem is us. We are wicked. And the law was given that sin might be exceeding sinful. You can't get saved without a teacher. And the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. It teaches us. Nothing wrong with God's law. Gambling's wicked. It's just wicked. And so, all through the Bible, Felix said in a more convenient season, 
he took a chance. Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me. He took a chance. Gambling at the foot of the cross. Now let me come back to the cross. Go back to our text. One of the things that this teaches tonight, this, what we read here about the crucifixion of Christ, it tells us what man thinks about his God. We mock you. Jesus is God. I mean, John 1, brother preached it last night. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And God manifested Himself in His Son. He came down here, lived a perfect life, never did anything wrong, always went about doing good. We mock you. We laugh at you. We hold you in derision. You know what this bunch of corrupt politicians are doing? Holding God in derision. Every time they vote for some of this immoral stuff that's going on today, they're mocking God. They're laughing at God. They're crucifying. They're crucifying Christ. That's what they think about God. And every time you hear the gospel, listen to me. Every time you hear the gospel, do not receive Christ as your sin offering. You're taking a chance. But see, gambling is a game of percentages. You always lose. You cannot win 100% of the time. You definitely ain't going to win 100% of the time. Let's just think about Ananias and Sapphire. They took a chance. A lot of folks was in revival. Holy Ghost had been given. Great things going on. They said, we're going to get in on this. We're going to go to church too. Down at church during them days, a lot of things, material goods was being given to take care of the necessities of the people. And so Ananias and Sapphire wanted some of that glory. So they go down there and they say, we, go, you know, we sold a piece of land and brought it and laid it to apostles' feet. You know, right before that, talked about uh, Barnabas selling, selling and bringing it and laid it to apostles' feet. He was called a son of constellation. Then you read what they did. And see, they, they took a chance with God. They kept back part of the price being conspiracy, privy to it. But God spoke to Peter. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan tempted thine heart to lie unto God? See, Ananias and Sapphire took a chance, and God, their, their percentages was on the low end. One out of a hundred, they took a chance the first time God killed them. Now God is sovereign. And sometimes he'll let you go, take many chances and let you go, because he's going to use you for a particular pur- purpose in your condemnation. But you take a chance with God and you're going to lose. You're going to lose your soul. Everybody that takes it. And so I'm imploring people, don't gamble with eternity. You may have used up your last opportunity. I don't call it. You don't get saved by chance. See, that's Satan's terms. You get saved by grace through faith. And faith cometh by hearing, we preach the gospel. We're not ashamed of it. You get saved. The, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What is the gospel? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous men. You're a wicked sinner. Amen. 
Jesus took your sins on the cross. He was nailed there as a sin offering. He shed his blood to redeem you from all iniquity. And he did it. And you've heard the good news. And you're wicked. And the Spirit's convicting your heart. And you're sitting there taking another chance with God. Listen to me. People are taking a chance with false professions. How many false professions did you make before you really got saved? I know people's made multiple false professions. Every one of them you was going to hell with. That's your testimony. You made a false profession. You died and went to hell. You took a chance with a false profession. You didn't didn't surrender all. You didn't commit to all. You didn't receive him as Lord. You wanted salvation at the expense of God's holiness. People are taking a chance with church membership. People are taking a chance with good works. People are taking a chance with their eternal bound souls tonight. Gambling is wicked. And, and men and women and young boys and girls that's old enough to know better are gambling with eternity. You're taking a chance. And you don't care. You're so deluded. You're so blinded by sin and Satan that you don't care. See, you can't get saved without caring about your soul. You got to care about your soul. You say, well, I care about my children. Well, let's get yours fixed first. If you take a chance, and I'm I'm here to tell you tonight, you take too many chances, you gamble your soul too long, and I'm going to tell you what God's going to say to you. Okay. Okay. He that being offered approved and hardened his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. I called and you would not answer. So when you call, I will not answer. And I'll laugh at you. What God said in Proverbs 1. I'm here to tell you tonight. Gambling has become a a part of society. It's so prevalent. Nothing burns me worse more than go to get gas and have to stand there waiting on somebody's got a fistful of dollars that they probably stole or sold some meth for. And I can't buy gas because they, they spend, scratch, get this lottery ticket, how many more, and they run it through the machine and get this one. I'm, I'm standing there, standing there, standing there while they're gambling. Yeah. So what do you do? I go to somewhere they don't do that. It's, it's just a form of lifestyle now. And the most wicked thing that could be committed was those four soldiers gambled at the foot of the cross. And in, in reality... That's what people are doing tonight. Christ is lifted up. These meetings, Christ is lifted up and we're gambling at the foot of the cross. That's what's going on. And we come to church and have special meetings and have regular meetings and you come and listen. If you're here and you're not saved, you come and listen and you take another chance. I've heard people say, God, uh, what is that word in the Bible that says um, they were turned inside out? I've heard people say, boy, God turned me inside out. He exposed me. And Lord, if you you ever do that again, I'm going to get saved. You know what you're doing? You're taking a chance. What if he don't ever do that again? What if he's tired of fooling with you? 
What if he, what if he's given you opportunity and convicted you at night at home in your bed, convicted you at meetings, and now you're not convicted anymore at all? You're taking a chance. You're taking a chance. Parents, I preach against this sodomite, transgender. I got 22 children with two more on the way under 14 years old. And I preach on it every Sunday. These satanic demons that are lurking in Disney World and in your TV and in your little kids' coloring books and on them little devices, those are Satan's instruments to possess your children, your little kids. And you parents are taking a chance with your children. You just walk through the Bible. Achan took a chance with his. Saul, King Saul took a chance. That everyone lost. You better hear what these preachers are preaching to you. All of them. Me. All of us. We don't preach preachers we don't, we don't have confidence in. Every preacher here, we got confidence in them. And they're warning, 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 warning. And we're gambling with eternity. Taking a chance. And so here tonight, I don't know. I, I would assume the pastor would give you another opportunity. It's not a chance with God. It's an opportunity for you to respond in the grace of God and be broken. Fall upon that stone and be broken. Because if, if you take a chance and you don't fall upon that stone, Matthew 21, 44, and are broken, that stone is going to grind you to powder. No chance, no, no doubt about it, you'll lose. And so we, we beseech you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God through the death of his son. Let me tell you something, and I'm done. Those men sat there, God was looking at his son. Until he, you know, the Lord turned away from Christ, the world blacked out. But God watched what went on. He saw them soldiers taking a chance, gambling at the foot of the cross. And I'm going to tell you here tonight, you hear this gospel these brothers are preaching, this church is holding out to you, and you keep taking a chance with God, you're going to be just like them soldiers, and God's going to charge you with the same atrocity that he charged them with. You better turn to God before it's too late. May God help. Brother Pastor, would you come?